radioinfluence.com. We are back for another episode of the MMA Report Podcast. Of course, I am Jason Floyd. That is my guy, Daniel Galvan. Happy Wednesday, Daniel. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing a lot better than Team McGregor. I just want to spoiler alert for the uh, million people that um, are watching The Ultimate Fighter that haven't seen it yet. But uh, Team Chandler up 5-0 on all Team Connor. But other than that, Jason, I am doing phenomenal. I, yeah. I will have to issue an apology later on in the podcast, but I'm doing phenomenal. Uh, yeah, that, that is a thing of now on, whether it's on Instagram Reels or TikTok, all I see is the, the video of Connor basically complaining of, why can't we go to a third round? We got to go to a third round. Like, bro, don't you know the rules of the ultimate fighter? Yeah, and usually things don't change in the third round if you've been losing rounds one and two. If Connor loses all of the first eight matchups and has no fighters still involved does he just leave the show does it just become the ultimate fighter with team chandler like what the hell is connor doing after you know if all his guys get swept i mean i don't know you know he still has he still has his guy lee hammond's probably gonna beat kurt hollible if i have to if i had to guess but uh yeah i i am not looking good for team connor no, no, it is not looking good at all, of course. So we got a ton to talk about here in this episode of the podcast. Going to talk about uh, Ilya Teporia dominating. Maybe uh, could his next matchup be for a title or maybe uh, a number one contender matchup. Of course, we got to talk about the PFL situation from last week with uh, Natan Schulte and Rosh Manfio. Uh, also, let you know what uh, Brian Butler, uh, Manfio's manager, had to say about the situation. Also, uh, yeah, we got an issue apology to a fighter here later on in the show. And, uh, of course, talk about other fighters who shined last weekend there at UFC Jacksonville. And then, of course, we got Saturday's UFC. And, uh, you know, so I did not watch the UFC event live. That's because uh, I I did something I rarely don't do, Daniel, and that's take a day off. Uh, You know, like if you... If you put the definition of workaholic, that's the Floyd family. We we are workaholics, and uh, so took the day off. Did a little bar Olympics, which was a, a great time. Uh, sucked it up in ring toss, man. I, I, that was the one game that I sucked it up at. Well, it probably just depended on how many drinks you'd had when you started playing it, my man. What the hell is bar Olympics? So it's you know, I mean, you think about it, you go out to a bar. There's various bar games. So this this event. So our, our first event was Jenga, which uh, we uh, we came in second place in Jenga, and then it was cornhole. I mean, a, cl- a classic bar game, cornhole. You know, uh, unfortunately, you know, my go to bar game is darts. Darts was not a part of the equation. So we had uh, we also had unconventional uh, beer pong, which was basically in, as you were just throwing a ping pong ball into a into a cup with water. Uh, we also had a flip cup, which I had not played flip cup in probably 15 years. Yeah. Then ring toss. And then we had the, uh, then it was a, a beer chug. Okay. I dig it. I think, I think ring toss is too boring, too similar to cornhole. Cornhole is already the best one. Beer chug. You should probably have done that event two more times. Um, I think something involving a basketball, I think something involving a hoop would have been great. And I think maybe if you included tackle football, I think now we just have the greatest bar Olympics ever. But I'm glad, man. That sounds fantastic. I mean, you know, uh, I, I would love to participate in bar Olympics myself, you know, maybe with an Uber, you know, on the on the go. Because I, I uh, there's nothing like unwinding on a weekend, relaxing and, and not thinking about nothing. You know, you do certainly work a lot harder than me. I can't relate to your work ethic, but I still do appreciate a, a good day off, a good time to chill out. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty disappointed you didn't win the Bar Olympics. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know how you can show your face on this podcast and not be a winner. I mean, did I lose my wrestling match last time out? Yes, I haven't won and and we'll see what happens. We got to be winners, Jason. Look, I I thought we were in really good position. The ring toss really screwed us up. But I'll tell you this, and, you know, one of the things is we all have various things going on in our lives, you know, things that, uh, you know, maybe maybe we regret but whatnot. But the one thing I'll tell you that is it's been really a big thing for me is realizing, like, sometimes you just got to live life, man. And and maybe you can relate to this, or maybe someone in our listening audience can relate to this. There comes those times where you just got to live life. No matter what's going on in your life, you just got to live life and enjoy life. And that, to me, was what I would describe last Saturday as, is I just enjoyed life. And uh, 
in theory, I'm taking off Saturday through Tuesday. So uh, I'm going to enjoy life over the next couple of days. I'm, I'm going to tell you that right up. That, that's what I'm going to be doing. And, uh, you, you know, sometimes I just like I, I sit there and say things are going to happen in your life. You know, sometimes you only control what you control. Things are not going to go the way you want them to go. So, like, I'm at this point in my life where I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to enjoy life. If you want to come along for the ride, come along for the ride. If you don't, oh, well. Damn. What is the coolest thing to do in Florida? If you're taking a dream vacation for two or three days, going to just, you know, relax, not think about nothing, no work, nada. What's the best? What's the best? way you can spend your time in florida having fun i feel like for me it would be sitting poolside and uh enjoying some cocktails you know i'm i will tell you this i am more of a hot tub guy than necessarily a pool guy like i i i'll sit i can sit in a hot tub for like two hours give me give me a you know like if i'm on the beach okay or pool i'm probably got a modello going on because i can drink modellos like they're water you know, but if I'm gonna, you know, enjoy a, a, a different beer, it'd be a Stella. But yeah, that to me, that to me, I mean, I, I have a feeling I'll probably be poolside uh, a lot this weekend. You know, I, I've already kind of yeah. hit some of the fellas up and say, "Hey, boys, what y'all got going on?" Yeah, well, dude, this is the look straight up. If you're listening to this podcast and you're a devout mixed martial arts fan, this is the weekend to not think about MMA. Like, yes, me and you are gonna watch the fights this weekend. But this 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 weekend sucks. Like this UFC card sucks. So you need to balance your life because like there's a UFC card every single week. If there isn't a UFC card, there's PFL and there's Bellator. So like this is the week to go out and have some fun the whole weekend. You know, go out and like remember that you have family members and go see them because you know most Saturday nights are just covered up on a TV watching some dudes and women punch each other in the face. This is the weekend to go say what's up to grandma or the cousins or uncle or aunt or maybe some friends you always text but never see in person. (laughs) Nothing replaces that real-life interaction, the cracking jokes, making each other laugh. I mean, you know, I literally saw it was so nice. My very first best friend from preschool went out to my pro wrestling show uh, a couple weeks ago, and I hadn't seen him in like six years so it's like, damn, I need to reach out to him and go eat dinner. So whether it be going to the pool and having that party or thinking about some of the friends in your life that you haven't seen in a long-ass time and setting up a, a dinner or going out to some drinks or watch something, I, I would recommend doing it, especially this weekend. No disrespect to Sean Strickland. He's a damn good fighter. But that fight card, man, it's rough. Yeah, no. I mean, I don't know if you saw this. Sean Strickland just fighting some guy who came into the gym because he wanted to fight him. Like, well, that's kind of Sean Strickland things. But, you know, so I did not watch the UFC card live. I I, was, I remember when we started Bar Olympics, it was on. I remember watching the first fight, but then it just, you know. Look, I don't think Josh, I don't think Josh Emmett remembers the fight either. Dude. Jesus I, Christ. That so, fourth round was insane with the Elias Teporia pouring it on. So here is, so I went back, I, I didn't watch the fights till Monday, so I go on my DVR uh, on YouTube TV, and the first observation is, holy crap, I was able to fast forward through a lot of commercials and filler content in, in this broadcast, but like, it's one of those things of, Taporia, beautiful performance, I, I, I dominating performance of what he went out there and did, and I really don't have a problem with Chris Lee's 10-7 scorecard. I, I think when you look at that, that fourth round, it's clearly a 10-8, but I don't have a big issue of, of a 10-7 scorecard. One of the things that, to me, when going back and, and watching the fight, I thought some questionable corner work from Team Alpha Male in Emmett's corner. Like, it's I understand there is a, you want to talk your guy up. You want to you know give him that motivation because you know who your fighter is. But it's also like, Fellas, this fight's not close. Like, what fight are you guys watching? Because the fight I'm watching, your guys getting brutalized doesn't look good visually with what all, all the, the the damage on his face. And there's a and look, and, and Emmett went out there in the fifth round and he's trying to fling bombs, but like that to me is another fight of you want to know what why corners never stop fights that's a prime example of why corners never going to stop a fight it just it, it's one of those things of like and, and i was listening to Ann and florian podcast and i i, I, I want to say it was kenny florian brought this point up about josh emmett and i thought it was a great point 
Josh Emmett, you're 38 years old. It, what is your goals in terms of this mixed martial arts run? Because if your goal is to be a champion, the reality is you're not going to become a champion. Now, you can still be a, a highly competitive guy, get a lot of paydays, but the, the championship trajectory for Josh Emmett's over. Yeah, he may need to start looking at making a million dollars in the PFL or just continuing to find the UFC because he's a very talented fighter. And what we saw out of Ilya Teporia is just evidence of him being special, him being at that Arnold Allen level, where it's like he will surely challenge for a championship very, very soon. If Ilya doesn't immediately fight for the title after UFC 290, he's literally just one fight away. He looks like a special talent. And we know how good Josh Emmett is. And Teporia literally got a 10-7 on him in round four. I mean, the corner probably should have stopped it, obviously. The referee nearly stopped it in round four. It speaks to the fact, though, that, like, you got to really have, like, trust in your corner in that if they make that call, you're not going to, like, be upset at them. Because not to say I know anything about Josh Emmett or anybody but I'm assuming for any corner, it's too difficult to throw in that towel knowing that that person you train mm-hmm. with is going to feel like you screwed them over. Because so many people in those cages, even when they're getting their ass kicked, still believe in round five, I'm going to go out there and knock them out. So it really speaks to building that relationship where as a fighter, you're going to defer to your corner. If they make that decision, you're going to respect them and you're not going to hold it against them and you're going to understand they did it for the safety. So I don't know what the situation is with Emmett in his corner or the situation with so many other instances, but I I, got to tell you, the work done to throw that towel is done before they even get in the cage. It's done with the trust between the fighter and the corner. And by the way, the definition of a 10-7 round is when a fighter completely overwhelms their opponent in effective striking and or grappling and stoppage is warranted. When you look at that definition, I don't think we should have a problem with a 10-7 scorecard for there for Chris Lee. Now, looking at Teporia, after it, he says, I want to wait for a title shot or I'll fight Max Holloway in Spain. I understand his mindset. I don't know if uh, that's necessarily the greatest thing to say in a post-fight press conference because the UFC could very easily just ice you. But his best case to me would be is, hey, Alexander Volkanovsky saying he gets past Yair Rodriguez in two weeks. If you want a fresh challenger, he's the guy sitting there, you know, around obviously coming off that loss to Max Holloway. Brian Ortega, I believe, is going to come back towards the end of this year. Um, I, I could see that maybe you do a Taporia versus Ortega as a number one contender matchup at, at the end of this year. But, I mean, it, Taporia, to me, to his best case, is simply saying, hey, you want a fresh challenger for the title? I'm here. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of is adding up. Maybe if he didn't let the ball, the game out, that he's going to wait. He would have got it, or he may still get it. Because, I mean, if you're the UFC, do you even want to book Ortega in a championship fight? You know, it's like, or or in a, or in a high profile fight because like Ortega. What if Ortega goes out there and beats Taporia? Then you got to put him in a championship fight again, and then he's going to pull out. Like, sorry, Brian, it's just you are very injury prone, and it really sucks because you're so damn talented. So I wouldn't put Ilya on the Ortega track. I would say if you're going to have a matchup with a veteran, the fight that he called out is beautiful. If Max gets past Korean Zombie in August, which I believe he will, I believe that's a fight that Max is going to really dominate. Max and Teporia is a good fight, but it's the type of fight that could really eliminate Ilya because Max Holloway is a championship-level fighter, plain and simple. You're basically fighting a champion without a title on the line. So it's probably better to fight a champion uh, if you're going to fight a championship-level fighter. So I even think if Yair beats Volkanovski, you could talk yourself into Teporia. This is a fresh new challenge. Josh Emmett's really good. And Ilya Teporia, as the fight progressed, began to treat him like a a punching bag. Mm -hmm. And that performance, again, can't be discounted. That was championship-level stand-up out of Ilya Teporia. So I would love to see him take on Volk. I would love to see him take on Yair. You know, I don't think Yair should be counted out in this UFC 290 main event. If Yair beats Volkanovski, though, we're probably looking at a rematch between Volk and Yair. 
So yeah. that may hold things back. Yeah, you're right about that. Now, there are some other fighters on this UFC Jacksonville card that absolutely shined. And you talk about just fun fights on the main card. Macy Barber, Manahibos, what a fun fight, ashing pack fight there. And, uh, you know, who would have thought that Dominic Cruz would be giving kudos to Keith Peterson on a stoppage in a matchup? I didn't think I would ever hear that. And, of course, Dr. Dominic Cruz with his definition of a cauliflower ear, I was like, did I just hear what I hear? Uh, David Onama, Gabriel Santos, that was a great matchup. Uh, time that, you know, I thought that Santos was going to submit. Onama, Onama survives and, of course, knocks him out there with the uppercut. And then also Brennan Allen and Bruno Silva. That was another fun fight back and forth. Um, Brennan Allen had to weather some adversity uh, before ultimately getting the submission around. So, I mean, those to me, like outside Taporia, Macy Barber, David Onama, and Brennan Allen, they were the fighters that shined at UFC Jacksonville. Yeah, and, and again, let's not discount Dominic Cruz basically saying cauliflower ear is the body protecting the brain. I I can't process that. Dude, who told him that? I I don't know. I don't know. I'm assuming drugs were involved. Maybe he was smoking cigarettes and drinking alcohol with Keith uh, Peterson. Um, but that was insane. But uh, you were totally right, dude. Those three names, those are the three fighters to keep an eye out for. Okay, Brendan Allen and Macy Barber. Very similar in that early on in their careers, it was like, damn, these people are going to be future champions. And they both had some setbacks. With Brendan, it was against Strickland and Curtis. With Macy Barber, she had back-to-back losses after it looked like she, maybe she was going to become like the youngest champion in the UFC. Here we are today in 2023. Brennan's 27, Macy's 25. They went up against some good fighters and they performed so damn well. And they're both on five fight winning streaks. Brennan Allen, phenomenal middleweight. But I'm even more optimistic about Macy Barber's hopes at 125. She beat a really, really good fighter in Amanda Rebus. It was back and forth, it was close, it was the fight of the night. But it's so nice, Jason, when we consistently see these high-level prospects flounder and fail, just go to obscurity, to see someone face adversity like Macy Barber and then come back up and look what like what she promised. Because when her career first started, she was looking like a game changer. She stumbled. She got injured. She's on her way to being a game changer in this sport. Uh, you know, and she's won five fights in a row. It's it's a very quiet five fight winning streak. And of course, one of those losses that she's had in her career was to Alexa Grosso. Of course, if Grosso retains her title, I think it would make a lot of sense that Macy Barber is put in that situation. Uh, I think Brandon Allen's got to get a notable matchup in his next one. Um, obviously, he he wants to fight someone that's ranked. I mean that that to me is there. And uh, you know, David Onama, obviously uh, a guy who you know. Grew up under James Krause. Now he's made that transition out to Factory X. He looked absolutely amazing. And, and I think Gabriel Santos is still a guy to, to not, uh, you know, sit there and, and put him down. I mean, he went out there and, and did well. So I think that main card, I mean, it delivered. It absolutely delivered. Of course, the prelims had a lot of decisions on him. So, uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to go back and, and sit there and watch that. Now, when you talk about the, the controversy of last weekend. It's not at the UFC event. It's at the PFL event. Happened on the prelims. And, uh, you know, we wake up Saturday morning and we learn that, uh, oh, the PFL has decided to say, uh, yeah, Hashman Fio and Natan Schulte, uh, yeah, you're both getting zero points because you didn't go out there and fight. And I, I think there's a lot of blame to go out for this one in, in terms of a, these guys are best friends. These guys are training partners. There, there's an article back in 2021 where Hashman Fio talked about how Natan helped him, you know, with his move to the United States, paid his rent, helped him get food. And, you know, the one note I wrote here is, you know, we thought the PFL was a real sports format. And this move by them goes against their whole fighter first initiative. It makes them look like promotion first. It makes them look no different than the UFC. And this was Brian Butler, who is the manager of Hashman Fio. He said this to make a subjective decision like this from a promotion that stakes its claim is fire advocacy is just a bad look. In my opinion, judges make bad calls all the time with less repercussion. Hosh and Natan are best friends and have been exclusive training partners for each over the years. Natan is the godfather of Hosh's 
daughter. To say they know each other's styles, tricks, and techniques inside and out is a gross understatement. Situations like bad style matchups, matchups and lackluster fight happen in the sport all the time. But the unique thing about the PFL and the tournament slash point format is that it would sort itself out on its own end. Our client got hit half his pay and zero points to move forward in the tournament. This is distasteful and unnecessary. And I mean, look, we can, you can put the blame on the fighters here. A, when the PFL offered us fight to you, would why not push back on it and say, guys, we don't want to fight each other. If we got to fight each other in the playoffs, that, that's got to happen. I mean, you know, it, I don't even know if I'd call this a sparring matchup. It, it's almost, you know, but I look more at the PFL in this aspect, Daniel, of saying is you, you, you knew the story of these two guys. Why did you put this matchup together? Why? Look at the rest of the card. Who is Shane but, Burgos fighting? Okay. He's fighting Yamato Nishikawa. So they were doing it so Shane Burgos could get to the next round. I get that. That's the whole thing is the PFL for years has been talking about a real sports format and that you you don't have to be a trash talker. You don't have to be the, the guy that brings eyeballs. All you got to do is go out there and win fights. This move goes against everything they've said. Yeah. And, and the thing is, this move benefited getting Shane in the tournament. So it, it like kind of shows that maybe there's a bias to get Shane Burgos into the next round. And so this thing that's supposed to be – and by the way, they gave Shane the toughest matchup in round one and then the easiest matchup in the second part. Um, this was a classic situation where the PFL, first they pooped their pants and the, they pooped their pants by uh, putting on this fight in the first place. Because holy crap, this fight sucked so bad. This was a really, really bad fight. I don't know what the hell we were doing for 15 minutes, but we certainly weren't doing a fighting competition. And in addition to pooping their pants, they were shocked by the poop and then they peed their pants. What the decision they made to have these two guys not get a single point. It was an initial mistake to book these two in a fight when you can literally book the matchups. And then they followed it up by reacting to their initial mistake, by making an even bigger mistake that literally no one – like I, I have not seen a single voice in the MMA community that's like, you know what? I'm glad the PFL did this. Like none of us enjoyed watching Schultz and Manfio. That fight wasn't a fight. That fight was a joke. And I can't blame them for making it a joke because of what you established, mm -hmm. how close those two guys are. To be fighting in a non-playoff matchup, at least do it in the finals, right? Like, come on, we've all seen Warrior. So, it's just it was it was just an it was such an unforced error that the PFL did, man. Because like PFL six by and large was a was an awesome card. We had some great knockouts, great moments, great memories. The storyline of the PFL this week that casual fans are going to be exposed to is the one we're talking about now. This is the mm -hmm. one that's getting a lot of traction, and this is the one that people will remember. PFL made a mistake by not giving these guys their points. They ruined their credibility when it comes to being a sport with a regular season. You can't make things up as you go, Jason. It's like playing a game when I'm seven years old with an eight-year-old that's making things up so they can win the game. You know, it's also and, – and Natan, I thought, had a great tweet uh, over the after this was over, after the decision was made. And one of the people that he tagged was a guy who has been calling himself a fighter's advocate, that being Francis Ngannou. He said, I'm very – unsatisfied with the decision that was taken by PFL last night to favor Shane Burgos entry into the playoffs. You remember Francis Ngannou's fight against Derek Lewis. He didn't throw six punches in the whole fight and he wasn't cut for his performance that night. So I asked you, Francis Ngannou, since you protect the rights of fighters, do you think this decision is correct? And I don't believe I've heard anything from Francis Ngannou. Yeah, I thought he was the fighter's advocate, man. Um, I would be interested to see what Francis's perspective of this is because it kind of goes against being a fighter's advocate. I mean, if the goal is that this is a sport and you're going to win or you lose and, and that dictates everything, 
Natan got screwed. He he did. I mean, yes, he screwed the fans out of a good fight. He did. I mean, that fight sucked. At the end of the day, the other thing is, like, even though y'all are best friends, y'all are still fighting uh, professionally. It's still a professional fight. And so it's not like Natan and Manfio are, like, completely innocent here. They still had an opportunity to go and do a fight. And what they did was a joke. And I know they're super close, but that was a complete and total joke. Um, like, that's a professional fight. And if you weren't willing, if you weren't willing to do this fight, you know what? You should not have stepped up anyway. I'm going to say it straight up. I, if you didn't want to fight, don't fight. I just wonder how much behind the scenes there was pushback from both of them to try to not make this fight happen. And was this was this something that the PFL decided to do? If you listen to the commentary, they, they knew exactly what's going on there. By the way, I don't know if you saw uh, Don Davis. Does this guy not follow the history of mixed martial arts? He may, but he might forget it. So... Dana White is on the Pat McAfee show and this was and the whole Jones and Ghana thing comes up. And, and this was Dana White's quote. John Jones won the fight with Francis and wanted the fight with Francis and Ghana when Francis was here. We tried to make the fight happen and it's not going to work now. And so Don Davis quotes this video. Hey, Pat McAfee show and Ghana versus Jones is is fight that can happen. Can being in all caps. Dana White ignored the question. Smart creative promoters make the big fights happen for the fans. PFL and France Ngannou in. UFC and John Jones, UN with an emoji. Don, fight ain't happening, bro. Like, the UFC is not co-promoting. Like, is there no, like, Don Davis to me, I'm starting to get the, the Chartree vibes with him, that he just says shit online, just hoping people will talk about it. And I'm just like, dude, follow the history of the sport. Co-promotion ain't happening, Don Davis. Like, you want to send a tweet to get, you know, some interactions online? Cool. Bro, fight ain't fucking happening. I mean, like, seriously, if you look back in the history of the sport, I mean, I think the one time recently I can think of a co-promotion, I don't know if it counts, but the only time is the McGregor-Mayweather fight. Um, that's the only time, and I don't know if you would count that as co-promotion, but I, that it had to have had, uh, Dana Y and the UFC Correct. being on board yeah, for that yeah, fight yeah. to happen. That was co-promotion from there. Yeah. Yeah. That's it that I can think of potentially in the early days of the UFC, there could have been, I know there was a UFC in Japan card and I don't know if that was only UFC or if they had a partner, but like, if we're yeah. talking about the last 23 years, I can't think of a single instance of them partnering with another mixed martial arts organization. No. So that's two decades plus. Dude, and I, I don't think it's going to happen with a fighter that clearly the UFC and Francis have a terrible relationship right now, I would imagine. Um, I don't think the UFC wants to reward Francis Ngannou for leaving the UFC. So, yeah, Don is is... is Full of BS, but I mean, it's kind of the similar language to what we see out of Kayla and Cyborg. Granted, that fight probably is going to happen. I think, it, I mean, it could happen. Like, I could see it happening under a PFL banner at this point if PFL buys Bellator, which who knows if they will or won't. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of, it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of people that want to buy Bellator. So that's what I think PFL has a real chance of doing it. There, look, I'll say this. There is a lot of things I've heard about the Bellator potential sale. Um, but I mean, look, I don't, I would be relatively surprised if we see the PFL ultimately being the, the group that buys Bellator, I would be surprised, but I mean, but this is also a thing. Kayla Harrison, one of the most recognizable faces in PFL. Are we going to see Kayla Harrison fight in 2023? It seems like no. Maybe in December. Maybe okay. I think we're gonna see your fight on the pay per view. Like, like but I'm that, pretty that, sure. That, no, but that pay per view with Francine Gano will be till twenty twenty four. Her contract will be expired. But they're not gonna do a pay per view at the end of the year with all the championship fights, <sighs> bro. Who's about who's buying that? Come on. Well, dude, no one really bought the last one, but I, I think that's where she's gonna fight, bro. I think. I mean, I think so. If I had to guess, I think she's literally only going to fight on that pay-per-view if they have one, which I think they will because, like, it seems like that's the thing they want to do. And then her last fight in her contract is probably going to be the Francis fight, 
pay-per-view fight. No. So I think, no, her, I think those, her, con- her contract expires at the end of this year. Does it? Oh, I thought she had two fights and it wasn't no, it, time. It, so no, it's, it's time marked. There's two fights left in the deal, but the deal expires at the end of this year, and they have no matching that's rights. That's so crazy. When her contract expired, now, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Amanda Nunez retiring. The biggest loser was Kayla Harrison because she lost a suitor in the UFC. So Bellator does not is not going to have to overbid for her services. But clearly, as a fight fan, I hope we see Chris Cyborg and Kayla Harrison in the cage because that's a fight that makes sense. But I mean, Kayla Harrison, I I feel like we've not heard anything from her in six months. Well, the thing is, like, it's really bad timing because if she if her contract expires. And Bellator still has not been sold. I just don't see how Bellator tries to sign her. Just what what I mean by that is clearly she's going to get a big contract. And if you're a promotion that's getting to get sold, I just don't know if you make any major moves until that sale happens. Like maybe you can make the case that Kayla Harrison adds more to your portfolio, but it's also a bigger financial commitment that might turn off a potential buyer. So Kayla really finds herself – look at the negotiations Kayla could have had had she not had matching rights in her PFL deal the last time out. Mm-hmm. Bellator, UFC had Amanda Nunez. Bellator was interested. She she lost a lot of money in that deal. Um, so, yeah, things are not looking good. But you know what? The PFL 6 still has some shiny moments. Right, come on. Are, I, are, I, are, are you about to do it? Are you about to do it? It's time for me to, to – apologize once again to the great sad sad Sadabusi who is quite possibly the most exciting fighter in the history of the sport now <laughs> after I went on a rant about how bored he was following his winning the uh, 2022 PFL World Tour Championship he has now gone on back-to-back finishes Jason and not only did he get a finish over Shane Mitchell but he got one of the best effing knockouts of the year with a spinning wheel kick in the third round, Jason. I can't process this, but I believe Sadabusi is now like the new Vanderlei Silva or Shogun Hua. <laughs> he is now the most exciting fighter in the sport after I talked all my junk about him. Yeah, we were out watching the fights, and when he landed that, we were like, whole, like you talk about, you know, Dana White likes to talk about every card has that holy shit moment. That was the holy shit moment of that PFL hit. By the way, prior to these last two knockout wins for Sabu C, you got to go back all the way to 2019 to find the last time he won a fight via stoppage. That's against David Machad, uh, which was a knockout in 17 seconds. Since then, all of his fights had gone to a decision. Yeah, well, now he's now he's the the knockout king. Like overall, the main card of PFL six was pretty freaking enjoyable. You had that OAM, who I am like I am all aboard the OAM hype train. Like I think he's one of the most talented dudes mm-hmm. outside the UFC. He showed it with the knee knockout over Anthony Romero. That being said, you watch that fight. It was kind of close around one. It was kind of back and forth. So maybe I'm wrong to be so high on OAM. Uh, Magomed Magomed Karamov straight up just ran through David Zawada. I mean, that was just a that was a beatdown for the welterweight. Um, Clay Collard, Stevie Ray. You know, Stevie Ray needed to get that first round finish. He tried to do it, was unsuccessful in it, and Clay Collard just put him away in round two. Fairly exciting fight. So overall, fairly enjoyable. Shane Burgos, very dominant over Yamato Nishikawa. Um would have liked to have seen a finish in that matchup just to establish that Shane is on a different level. But he did establish that he was a much better fighter than Yamato. And, you know, Shane is a real live uh, live dog in these finals. I mean, I, I think we're looking at a Burgos versus OAM final matchup. So I'm guessing we're getting okay. Burgos and Collard. In, in Correct, the yeah. Like, as a, like, while it's a crappy situation of how we got to this, Color Burgos is a fight that brings me to the television set. Dude, that's it. That's your main event. That's your, I mean, that's, and then like, so it's, it's win-win with whoever wins that fight. They're both freaking exciting. That's a great fight. OAM's taking on Bruno Miranda. I think OAM's going to win that. So I think we're going to get a rematch between Shane and OAM. And then on the other side, oh man, this is going to be hard to pick for, um, for Sadiq Youssef. 
uh, because we have two Magomeds going up against each other. <laughs> Magomed, Magomed Kirimov versus Magomed Umulatov. I, I, I like I like Magomed Kirimov, and then Sadabusi is going up against uh, Carlos Leal, and I think I think Sadabusi is going to get a first round knockout. So Look, we'll e- see. even though Sadabusi has looked absolutely amazing. Magomed Karimov is a favorite to walk away at, at 170. No question about it. Uh, no, I disagree. Sadabusi is going to knock him out first round, flying <laughs> knee knockout. I'm team Sadabusi. He is the greatest fighter in the history of this planet, and he's going to take out Magomed Karimov. But yes, Magomed does have a win over Sadabu, and also he looks amazing. So we'll see what goes on. I'm kind of excited for the semifinals. Hopefully the PFL doesn't shoot themselves in the foot anymore because uh, – that was a major, major mistake this week. Yeah, now they do have a, a, a PFL Europe event coming up next week, but in terms of this season, they'll get back uh, going here in the beginning of August there. But, of course, also we got the UFC event this weekend. And uh, I don't know if you remember, when they announced this main event, everyone was like, what the hell is going on here? Sean Strickland against Abis uh, Magomedov. Um, you, you look at the rest of this fight card come up here on Saturday. Of course, uh, main card is at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time, prelims on 4 o'clock Eastern time. I, in terms of the matchups that kind of stick out to me, I, I, kind of, I look at that main event of Grant Dawson taking on Demir Ismogulov. I don't know if you saw Grant Dawson did an interview. I want to say it was with MMA Junkie. And he was kind of talking about, uh, you know, obviously he left Glory. I mean, it's probably been about two years since he left Glory to head down to ATT. And uh, he, he goes, he's like, he goes, you could have literally done a reality show of all the stuff that was going on inside Glory. Wow. Wow. I would love to have seen that reality show. You see, if you had replaced the Ultimate Fighter with the all-access look at Glory, I think you may have got some more viewers on that product. I, I'm one of the guys that I was high on at one point, but you know he's lost back-to-back fights now, and he's actually – it's the first fight of the night – Alexander Romanov against Bogoy Ivanov. And I was looking at Alexander Romanov's UFC run. And my guy Pete Rogers Jr. is a is a big Romanov guy. And and I was going to bring this up to him in terms of uh Alexander Romanov's best UFC victory. Now, of course, he's lost these last two against Volkov and Tibera, but prior to that, his UFC wins are against Roque Martinez, Marcos Rosario de Lima, Juan Espino, Jared Vandera, and Chase Sherman. I'm like, is Marcus Rogerio de Lima his best UFC win? Yeah, I think it is. It's crazy how guys go from like, oh man, this guy's a real, a real, real, real player in this specific weight class, and then you start seeing some of the glaring holes. You start seeing the cardio look embarrassing. You start seeing specific ways to beat him. And I think you're right. But yeah, Romanoff when he first started, I was like, oh dude, this guy's gonna challenge for a heavyweight title. Now he's got to get past old Blagoy Ivanov, who I think will probably lose to Romanov. I mean, this matchup is set to keep – I can't believe Blagoy is only 36. Holy crap. This man has looked 45 years old for the past 10 years, <laughs> and he's only 36? Damn. Yeah, Blagoy, I think he's going to lose. Blagoy just did not look good last time out, bro. I mean, I think it hurt that he just shaved his head and his beard. He just looked crazy. Uh, he needs to grow out the beard. He looks amazing with the beard. Uh, but that has nothing to do with him fighting. But, uh, yeah, I think Romanoff will probably win, but we'll see. I have so much respect for Ivanov after, like, he literally recovered from getting stabbed to continue to have success as a mixed martial arts fighter. But, um, dude, all I got to say is this card sucks, but but uh, I, I must say there are two fights I'm looking forward to outside of the co-main event and main event. Number one, uh, Ismail Bonfin versus mm-hmm. Benoit Saint-Denis. Ismail is someone at lightweight that is exciting, talented. It's got a lot of upside. And the second one, I think we both are probably looking forward to this one just to see if this guy has got it or not. Kevin Lee uh, making his return to the UFC, taking on not Fakhredimov. Fakhredimov, yeah. Fakhredimov, yeah, you got that. You got that. I was trying to go syllable by syllable. I'm gonna have to- <laughs> you, you just got to go. You just got to go. You just got to say it. Boom. I, I want any excuse to say almost say a curse word. Um, with Hanat, this dude's really good. He showed it against Brian Battle. So this is not like, hey, Kevin Lee, welcome back to the UFC. Here's a cupcake. Nah, bro. No, no. This, is a, this is a real dude. Kevin Lee's a real underdog. Kevin Lee's really got to prove it. 
that his best days are ahead of him. And he's another one of those guys that we were all super high on early on. So I'm excited to see what happens between him that and Kevin Lee, Jason. So those are the two fights I'm talking myself into on this card. Yeah, that, that is Joe Silva matchmaker. I want to go back to uh, Bogoy Ivanov and because the big question with Romanoff is going to be his cardio and Bogoy Ivanov has gone to decision in not one, not two, not three, not four, eight straight fights. You want to know the last time Bogoy Ivanov was finishing a fight? Was it in Bellator? It was in Bellator. You got to go back to <laughs> Bellator 120 in 2014 when he was submitted by Alexander Volkov. Oh, my God. That is freaking crazy. Think about this. His, <laughs> his losses in the UFC, Junior Dos Santos, Derek Lewis, Augusto Sagai, Marcin Tybur, of course, all decision losses. Wow. So what happens here? Who is he getting? Is he getting finished for the first time in like a decade, or is if he Roman, if Romanoff doesn't finish him within ten minutes, I think you get a potential goal even off a third round victory. Wow, that would be an interesting play on like um, a gambling website. I wonder how much that gets you if you were to bet Blagoy uh, third round victory. Well, let's pull let's pull up a best fight odds. I want to see if they've got a. Uh, even off wins round three, there's no odds out on that yet. But I would imagine you would get uh, really good numbers. Yeah, there's 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 really not much in terms of props. I mean, there's an even off wins inside the distance at plus three twenty. Damn, damn! I'm excited. I am freaking excited now to see if your uh, prediction prevails. You heard it um, here first. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm happy to see my guy West Weston Wilson get into the UFC. Um, you know, he's I've had a chance to to talk to him over the years. Uh, he's now training there uh, with Wonder Boy, um, getting into the UFC. He's a massive betting underdog. He should be a massive betting underdog going against Judge. Dude, Anderson he's Brito. a bigger dog than a Great Dane on steroids, Jason. Joe yeah. Anderson Brito is minus eleven hundred against your boy. I'm sorry. I hope your boy prevails. I I don't think he will. <laughs> I like I I do not think he's going to get it get this done. But uh, you know, and one of the things about Weston, and I, I think that for people who are who are breaking down the fights this week, I think you'll hear about this a lot. Is the fact of we you know strength of competition in his wins is just, has just not been good. You know, and uh, but I mean this is this is a thing. And and I was talking to a manager about this within the past couple of weeks. And, and it was just like right now it, we're in a situation where it is about, you know, availability. And there's our guys that are going to get into the UFC now that necessarily we're not getting into the UFC three years ago, four years ago. And I mean, look, and I mean, we can complain about card quality, but the UFC is going to put out all these events you know, week after week and, and they're going to fill cards up. Um, by the way, something I did want to mention about PFL I saw this tweet from Brian Hamper, who is the manager of Ray Cooper III. And this was after the whole incident last weekend. He says, if PFL can just make rules up as they go along with their tournaments, then they should release Ray Cooper III to pursue a career at 185 pounds, a weight class they don't even have. Yeah, that must suck to have a natural weight class and you're not even able to compete at it to feel like you're fighting at your best self. And um, it seems like PFL contracts are pretty, pretty, pretty rough. So, uh, yeah, I don't think the PFL is going to release Ray Cooper, uh, but uh, that is interesting. Yeah, I mean, it just – you feel bad for him, you know, to, just to be sitting on the sideline. And that's one of those things that you look at and say, like, man, like, you know, how are you making money? Like – or because yeah. of, of what you've made in the PFL at this point, you're, you're good. But, man, it's just you feel like the best years of your career are potentially are being put on ice. Yeah, literally the prime of his career is happening right now. I mean, Ray Cooper should be fighting at his, at his preferred weight class um, right now. And he's given a lot to the organization in terms of, you know, being one of the original guys in these tournaments, having success, but at 30 years of age, he needs to be – the, the you know the two-time ultra weight champion needs to be pursuing his natural weight class, so I'm hoping he's able to get get that or just you know do the deal, you know fight your fights, get out of your deal. It's not like it's a ten-year contract. I mean, I'm sure it's a per fight deal or or maybe a time expiration situation. I mean, that is the other hand of the thing is you do sign a contract, 
You know, this is America. Ray Cooper knows what weight class he's fighting at. He knows that the PFL doesn't have a middleweight division. Mm -hmm. So why would you even sign the deal in the first place? There is that part of the there is that part of the conversation that needs to be had is take some ownership over the decisions you make. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Um, some other things to mention before we get out of here on this episode of the podcast. You talk about odd fight announcements. I did find it very odd. Rose Namajunas going up to 125 pounds to fight in Paris against Manon Fiorot. I was like, that's kind of an odd fight booking. For so many different things, you don't really think of Rose at 125, but maybe that's going to be amazing for her, uh, and maybe she's going to be performing well. I think Rose and Manon could be a really fun, striking matchup if it plays out there. Not a fight I anticipated happening. Love no. the fact that it's happening in, in, in over there, and uh, color me excited. Rose is one of those names that is has a name that I don't think we think of when we talk about the biggest stars in the UFC. But she actually kind of deserves to be a part of that conversation because I do think she has more of a household name than you would think. And uh, she's going to give Manon that rub. People are going to tune into this fight because of Rose, and they're also going to watch Manon fight. Bellator is also uh, made a ton of fight announcements. The one that really stuck out to me is the bantamweight matchup between Enrique Barzola and Jalon Bass. That's going to be a part of that August 11th card. That's the card that's headlined by Storley and Brennan Ward, which is a, kind of an, a really interesting matchup at 170 pounds with, with Storley and Ward. I think that's, uh, you know, it, it when that matchup was announced, one of my initial thoughts is I do wonder if Bellator is looking at this saying if Brennan Ward gets through Logan Storley, Maybe Brennan Ward's fighting for the title next. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Brennan's one of the most exciting guys. If he gets a high-quality win like that, makes sense. And it's also a beautiful story that you can tell. A former champion, he went down to some really dark places since his championship reign. And to scratch and claw his way back up there would be exciting. And you mentioned that Brennan's a great defensive wrestler. Potentially, he can use his wrestling background to win that fight against Logan, which will be a tough task, that's a beautiful story that Bellator could tell. And and if Brent Ward gets through that and his next fights for the title, it has to be a Mohegan. Like you, you have to let Brent Ward fight for a title in his hometown. Yeah, I think that would be a great crowd environment, and um, it would be an opportunity for Bellator to do something special. They need to do something special. Yeah. I mean, they just did like one of the most hyped fights of all time and uh, for their promotion's history. And yeah, you, no one talked about it because it kind of was lame. And also the promotion has no buzz. Dude, I, I you know, and, and I mean, I think that's one of the things we always try to do here on the podcast is is talk about everything that's going on in the world of, of mixed martial arts. But sometimes like there's when I'm preparing for shows, I'm like, oh, what's Bellator doing? And sometimes I, I find it really difficult to find Bellator content to talk about on the pod. Yeah, I think Bellator for their next show, they should just be like, tune in and we'll tell you who we're selling to in the middle of our next broadcast. Maybe that'll get some viewers. I mean, look, I, I think it's only a matter of time before they're sold. It's just a matter of who's ultimately the group that buys it and who ultimately is running the promotion. Yeah. Like, I, um, if I was if I was leading a group, I would want Scott Coker to still be involved. But I also think that I think a big component that Bellator is missing is they they need someone, whether it's Coker or it's a Mike Kogan or, or somebody else, to be that public figure that is always out there in interviews and, and hyping up the product. Yeah. I think Scott's days are numbered, if I had to guess. Only because he's been doing the Bellator thing for a while. And I wouldn't be surprised if he wants to take a break and then do something else. If I had to guess. He's been been running Bellator for nine years now. Yeah. If I had to guess, wouldn't be surprised if he wants to take a break and just do something new. His own new promotion. In his own image. His own ideas. More control. He has a lot of control now. But something similar to Strike Force, If that's what he wants to do. He would be a great person to keep on board. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he steps away, not because of the, the people behind it saying, we don't want you, but more him saying, 
I want a break. Yeah. I want some time off. Granted, the, there's a lot of time off in between Bellator events, so I was. I got. I, I got to tell you something. Yeah. Who are you picking in the rematch? Junior Dos Santos or Fabricio Verdum in Game Bread Fighting Championship, Bare Knuckle <laughs> MMA? Who are you picking? That's not a real fight. Um, it was announced on a YouTube video from Fabricio that he will fight JDS. Uh, the date and location has not been confirmed, but um, uh, oh, September second in Jacksonville, Game Bread Fighting Championship, Junior Dos Santos and Fabricio Verdum. Who's your pick? Pry Verdum. <laughs> Come on, don't you remember when JDS shocked the world and basically sent Verdum outside the UFC? This is the rematch, 15 years in the making. I mean, are these two guys fighting so one of them tries to look good so they can get the France Ngannou fight? Yeah, that's probably it. And then, like, whoever gets the Francis fight has to cut in the other dude on the deal a little bit, give him a little cheddar. Dude. Yeah. This is a bare-knuckle MMA fight, I think is what it says. Yeah, that, that's that's game bread, yeah. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's Masvidal's uh, bare-knuckle MMA promotion, yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. I, I, by the way, I was out having dinner last night, and uh, they had the ultimate fighter on. Couldn't hear the sound, so just watching kind of the video footage of it, but uh, saw you know various clips, and uh, yeah, not, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, not going well for Team McGregor. Yeah, well, we will see. I don't know if anyone has ever been swept, but it is it is in play, and we will know in three weeks if he got swept. Kurt Holobaugh, again, was the was the last pick, essentially, for the veterans. He's going up against the top pick for the prospects, so potentially he's going to lose that fight. We'll see, but we got three fights left for Connor. I've heard rumblings, but I don't want to say what I've heard. Damn, it sounds like it's getting swept, man. It sounds like it's getting swept. <laughs> It's not going well for Team McGregor. It's not no, going it's not. well, you know. I mean, it's you know. I mean, like, I'm really at this point with Conor McGregor of like, will we ever see him fight in the UFC? I'm leaning the question. The answer is no, more than it is yes. Yeah, I would. I would probably go that way. I mean, he still has to get that situation sorted out where he was accused of sexual assault. That needs to get. He needs to get clear of that before even thinking about stepping foot in the cage. I'm just looking at I'm looking at just from the fight aspect of the USADA stuff. Like, if you're serious about fighting, you'd already be in the USADA drug testing program. Like, I I feel for Michael Chandler right now because is Michael Chandler icing himself on the sidelines in the hope of this fight happening, and it may never happen. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Ray Cooper being in his prime. I mean, Michael's at the end of his prime. He's 37 years old. Yeah, it's almost over for him. And he spent this time waiting for this fight. That sucks. That absolutely sucks if you're Michael Chandler. And you do feel bad for him. Yeah, I feel awful for him. I mean, you know, the guy, quote unquote, getting the red panty night. And I mean, I, I have to imagine if you're Chandler, there has to become a point where you eat, you have to say, are we doing this fight or not? And if we're not, let's just move on. Yeah. And I'm sure he's almost at that point. Like, literally, like, a, I'm sure he's got a hard deadline when he wants to fight because he needs to fight because time waits for no one. And before he knows it, he's going to be 40 years old and he's not going to have the same athletic gifts that he has right now. I mean, those are those are going away. He needs to fight multiple times because he's in the prime of his career. He's a phenomenal lightweight. But at some point, these 25 year olds are going to come and get him because they come and get everyone. So, uh, you know, by the way, as we wrap up the show, I was you know, scrolling on Facebook, saw your most recent wrestling match, and you got another one lined up here? Tomorrow. Tag team match tomorrow, teaming up th on Thursday. Teaming up with a man called Mooncat, okay. uh, someone who was around like four, three, four years ago with me when we were just barely getting in the scene, tearing down, setting up the rings. He was a shy and meager kid, and... Now he is one of the most over wrestlers in our little promotion. Okay. His name is Mooncat. He's hipster. He's goofy. So we're good friends. We're teaming up and we're going up against some out of towners. One of them is an 18 year old Lucha prodigy who's okay. been wrestling since he was like four and uh, a crazy guy from um, Colombia. So we shall see. Hopefully again, uh, you know, every time I talk, hopefully next time you don't see me paralyzed in the next show because it is a dangerous sport. 
it's a very dangerous sport, but uh, hopefully I prevail and hopefully that's uh, a good little match for the people watching. Yeah, I, I tell you, man, it, it's I, I think that's the one thing about professional wrestling and, you know, you, what you guys do in there and like it's an art form. And like I, I've seen when when guys have gotten hurt during a match. I mean, it's it stops Bro, immediately. I, I was watching AEW this uh, Sunday in the main event on pay-per-view. Okay. Towards the end of the match, Brian Danielson literally fractured his forearm, and he continued the match and finished it. And people weren't aware that he fractured his forearm. He fractured it because he was he was on the ground, and the dude came with an elbow drop, and okay. his elbow like landed on his forearm, so he fractured it. Oh. But people people didn't know that he had a fractured forearm to the press conference, and that is wrestling at the highest level, the main event of an AEW pay per view. The standards are so high for that type of action. That tells you how tough that son of a gun is, that he was able to do that. Dude, yeah, I mean, it's like I think years ago when Triple H tore his quad in a match. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> but that was obvious. <laughs> that, dude, that, felt, that was crazy. You ever see the video of Vince tearing both of his quads? No. Oh, my gosh. He was going to come out for the Royal Rumble because it was Batista and John Cena. Uh-huh. And they both went out of the Royal Rumble at the same time. And Vince comes out, and he just immediately tears one of his quads. And as he continues to go down, this guy tears his second quad. Oh. He literally crawls in the ring and cuts his promo laying on his freaking back. You need to check this out. Oh, right. God. It's crazy. It is effing crazy. He tore both of his quads going down to the ring. That's nuts. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, be, and being here in Tampa, you, you, you see a lot of these professional wrestlers and, you know, and, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of them go to the same gym that I go to, uh, to get their, you know, their strength and conditioning in and mad respect for anyone who does that mad respect. I mean, because that, that is, that is an art form, you know, it's an art form to be able to thank you. Do things that y'all do to your bodies is uh, is amazing. Thank you. I got to ask you, who the hell did the Magic draft? Uh, they drafted uh, two guards. I wasn't exactly, you know. Okay, yeah. Didn't you guys make, like, the worst pick in the draft? Okay, Jet Howard. Okay. Yeah, I think y'all made the worst pick in yeah, the draft. I, yeah, I remember I saw I saw people talking about uh, that, was a, <laughs> that was a reach. Who knows? Maybe it's going to work out. Sometimes I remember when the Seattle Seahawks drafted Bruce Irvin and everyone talked so much crap and he turned out to be really good. So sometimes when you make a reach, these guys end up being really good. So who knows? Maybe Jet Howard. Dude, you, you never know. And, and some, and sometimes when trades get made, you know, cause I saw this great graphic the other day. You remember when the Niners traded three first round picks to get uh Trey Lance uh, with Miami. Okay. Yeah. So I saw this. They turned those three first-round draft picks into Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, and Bradley Chubb. Yeah, they won that trade. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, San Francisco's looking at starting literally anyone but Trey Lance next year. Um, yeah, they were damn, talking they about, uh, I guess I guess apparently they really like Sam Darnold. That's crazy. I'm telling you right now that's not going to work out. Here's a couple things that aren't going to work out. Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. Um, you know what? I don't, I don't like you anymore. Oh, is he on the Bucks? Yeah, he's he's. he's oh yeah. crap! I can't talk crap. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> basically, yeah. but here's the, here's the thing. Here's the caveat. If I was making this joke about, and basically this is what I'm saying, guys that weren't successful, time and again, a couple times, they aren't going to do it again. If I was going to make this joke, I probably would have made it about Geno Smith three years ago. And look at where he's at now. Geno's a top 12 quarterback. So, on the flip side, my dumb butt could be wrong. And maybe Baker and Sam are, are playing in a Pro Bowl. Because the Geno Smith thing, you never know. The Geno Smith thing completely, completely surprised out of me. And this guy is legitimately like, okay, straight up, if we're doing rankings, he's got to be in the top 16. And uh, so you never know for one of those two dudes that they're going to hit. And, and yeah. By the way, my buddy's on vacation with his family, and uh, they're at uh, you know one of these t-shirt uh, places. He sends a photo. It says the shirt says, "I'm not arguing. I'm just explaining why I'm right." 
<laughs> well, you got to buy that. You got You got to buy that. That sounds like first take if I've ever seen it. That's 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 two. That's people talking about sports. Those two dudes talking about sports. It's me talking about why Davis Mills is, uh, you know, a future Hall of Famer. Right, we're, we're a month away from a training camp starting up. I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm ready for football season to get here. Hell yeah, I'm excited. By the way, completely sad note, but uh, rest in peace to Ryan Mallett. Uh, that sucks. Holy crap! Yeah. I think he for and I bring it up because well, one that's sad, but two, he did quarterback for my Texans for a little bit, you know, and I have a soft spot for anyone who quarterback for my Texans except for Deshaun Watson. Uh, he's, he does yep. not get any soft spots for me, but, uh, yeah, Ryan Mallett, man, rest in peace. Um, yeah, I, so um, sad. I, I saw the story, so I, I didn't get too, too depth to the story, but was it saying he drowned? Yeah. An apparent drowning. That's so terrible, terrible. Um, I said, uh, per the sheriff's department, a group of individuals are struggling in the waters, um, in Destin, Florida, they just drowned offshore, man. Uh, really sad, but you know, um, yeah, 35 years old. I mean, I remember watching him play in Arkansas and, you know, go to the Patriots for a little bit. I talked, I was excited to see him for the Texans, former Texans quarterback. And, um, I saw that headline on ESPN and, uh, yeah, RIP to Ryan Mountain, man. Um, it's a reminder that you never know when your time is, man, and just live your life and uh, love people and, and have a good time every single day, man, every single day. No matter how hard the day is, try and find that silver lining. Dude, I mean, I, I'll say this, man. You know, things happen in our lives, you know, and lives have twists and turns. And, and we, ne- we never know what life's going to bring our way. I mean, like, look, I hope every Saturday we have great UFC events. But it may not always happen that way. But, like, I, like that's where, like, I've really, and it's more me telling myself this, uh, of sitting there and going and saying, hey, Jason, you got to enjoy life, man. They're, they're, you know, you got to go out and do some fun stuff. Hell yeah, my dog. Like one of the well, things I, I was thinking about doing this weekend is so the, the Tiger Woods mini golf um company, they they opened up a place here recently. It's called Pop Stroke. I was like, so it's on their website. It's thirty dollars for a round of mini golf. That sounds awesome. That's I, I that sounds awesome. But I, I, like, I, I as I was thinking about okay, what to do this weekend, I was like, maybe that's what I'll do. That's a solid that's a solid thing you need to do. I mean, I, I, I wish it was a little cheaper than 30 bucks, but well, but it said, oh, it, I guess, yeah, I, yeah, but it's, it sounds like a fun time. Yeah, no, I think you got to get after it, my man. I think you got to play some mini golf and yeah, it's going to cost you a pretty penny, but you know, like my whole thing is like, I really don't want to go shoot 18 holes at an actual golf course because, well, it's goddamn hot here in Florida. Yeah, it's hot here too, man. It's hot Dude, here too. I, I, I was literally in the car. And my car said it was 99 degrees. And I was like, there's no way it's 99 degrees. I looked at my watch. It said 94. I was like, holy crap. Man, I wish it was 99 degrees down here. It's literally every single day. It's 105 degrees, 106. Dude, I was literally getting the groceries from the car, taking it inside to the kitchen, and I was getting a sweat going on. Yeah, man. I'm, well, I'm out in the sun every day. I work. For I mean, look, news. I'm not. I by no stretch of the imagination am I. Am I saying I am in peak performance? But I was just like, I'm like, holy crap! And I was like, Jesus! I had to get a towel. I had to wipe myself down. <laughs> like, oof. no, our bodies aren't made for this, my man. They are not, dude. I've lived here all my life. All my life. I swear it gets hotter every year. I swear. Maybe I, maybe yeah. I'm getting old. And I just forget how hot it was the previous summer. But man, I, every year I'm like, God damn, it's getting hotter here. This is without a doubt the hottest summer I've ever had my whole life. It's, it's never consistently been in the hundreds every single day. Uh, there's, this is not recency bias. I, I believe it's El Nino, which I don't even know what that means, but uh, I heard that somewhere. So yeah, maybe that's why. Did, did Dominic uh, Cruz tell you that? Probably. He told me, yeah, the cauliflower ear is developing. But, uh, yeah. To protect my brain. But by, by the way, uh, you want to know what our Bar Olympics uh, team name was? What was it? Jabroni Drinkers. Not bad. <laughs> I love it. Although I have a feeling y'all aren't Jabroni, jabroni Drinkers. I think y'all may be some experts. I mean, we we drank our fair share. Yeah, no, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 but, uh, but did have some very good wings. 
Oh, it got it got to that point. There, it's like we got we got to eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to get back to normal. Yeah, I love me some chicken wings, man. <laughs> Nothing like some beer and some chicken wings and uh, some good time. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's you know me, man. I'm all about going to have some good food. You know, I may not oh, yeah. necessarily like when the bill comes, but I do like giving me some good food. Yeah, me too, my man. And I tell you what, you got you always got some good eats. If you follow Jason on Instagram, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like this is the best way I'll describe me on social media. Okay, Instagram is, is like for the most part, you kind of see what my day to day life is. For, you know, I'm trying to post a little bit more with stories of, of everything I'm doing. But yeah, good chance of uh, you're gonna get some food pics when I'm out. Yeah, I'm I'm very much into that. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's good too. It always looks delicious. I mean, I saw you uh, post. Uh, man, I wanted to go to Florida just to go to Hogan's restaurant, and I saw you post all the stuff that they offered. Yeah, we were, yeah, so we, we were doing a photo shoot last week, and uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's always yeah. weird when you know you you do those photo shoots and all this food comes out, and it's just like there was one point we we brought some wings out, and you see the steam of the wings coming up. I'm like. Oh, that looks good, but we got to take some photos. <laughs> Why is there one less wing in the picture? Who took it? Yeah. <laughs> now, you've done it again, Jason. It's 844 in the morning, and I'm already hungry for lunch. God dang it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. I know. Um, trust me. I'm, I've, uh, I had to go pick up some lunch before I came here to the office because it's, uh, it's a little bit of a busy day for me. Well, a lot busy day, so. Uh, but of course, as always, we, we appreciate everyone taking time out of your day, download, listen to this podcast. We truly appreciate you uh, checking this show out. Of course, uh, you know, great way to show your support for the podcast, rating, review, uh, hitting that thumbs up button on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, all that. Definitely do appreciate that. And that's going to do it for this edition of the MMA Report Podcast.